The 18 Strong Podcast, episode number 108, with Jeff Ritter from Make the Turn. So when someone comes in for a golf lesson and they say, you know, hey, you know what, I've, I've committed myself to, to working on my game, you know, um, you know, how long is it going to take for me to, to improve? I say, well, we should improve immediately, you know, and that's not a line of BS. It's just, it's just a fact. Welcome to the 18 Strong Podcast, where you get direct access to the world's greatest experts on training harder, practicing smarter, and playing better golf. Now, here's your host, Jeff Pelizero. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the 18 Strong Podcast. We have an incredible guest this week by the name of Jeff Ritter, co-founder of Make the Turn. And Make the Turn is not just another golf instruction company. Jeff's not just another golf instructor. Make the Turn is a company that's dedicated to creating winning strategies for people seeking inspired and purposeful action in golf performance and lifestyle development. So to me, what that means is basically through golf, through golf instruction and golf performance, Jeff and his team at Make the Turn are helping people not only to play better golf, but to live a more inspired and purposeful lifestyle to really create what they want out of not their, just their golf game, but also just their everyday life. How do they achieve bigger things? How do they reach the goals that they want to set forth? And they do this through basically four pillars of performance, as they would call them, performance, mindset, fitness, and nutrition. And they touch on all of these different bases with their company and when they're working with their golfers, with their clients. Now, I mentioned that Jeff is a golf professional, but you can also probably recognize him from the Golf Channel, from Golf Digest, Golf Digest TV. Jeff's not only a coach, he's an author, he's a motivational speaker, and frankly, just one of the coolest guys that I've had a chance to sit and chat with. We have so many different things in common, and we were, you know, we kind of just chatted after the, the phone call here as well about a lot of the different projects that he has going on, some similar interests that we have, and hopefully a, a possible trip for myself and maybe Ryan to head out to California and meet Jeff at some point and get you guys some video content of us out at Poppy Hills with him. So we're definitely looking forward to doing that. And I just want to say that Jeff's episode, Jeff's interview has really just inspired me as as one of the founders of 18 Strong and what we're trying to do here because we talk a lot about the lifestyle and performance factor as well, not just the golf, not just the fitness, but living a, a, a lifestyle that not only helps you move further in your golf game, but also just creates more of the things that you want in your life. That's obviously health, that's longevity, that's being able to play better, that's being able to feel better, and just enjoy every day a little bit more. And, and so what Jeff is doing has really, really inspired me. Hopefully this episode will do the same for you. We talk about a lot of great different things that, that Jeff has learned through his journey and what he's done with his students, including that whole concept of inspired action and revealing possibilities, which is one of their, their taglines, and how you can create exactly what you want, not out of just your golf game, but also out of your life. And, and Jeff gives us a, a specific exercise to do, which I've done since the interview, and, and it's amazing. I love it. I've, I've done it before, and I, I will do it again in the future. Of It's called the genie exercise, and I'll let him explain it. I'll, I'll save that for the interview. And I highly encourage you to take the time to actually do this exercise as Jeff describes. All right, and one last thing. Be sure to listen through the full episode as Jeff is going to talk about a way that you could possibly win a trip to Pebble Beach to hang out with him and have an incredible experience. So we will link all that stuff up, but make sure you listen to Jeff. He'll tell you how to get there, and we'll, we'll tell you at the end of the show as well. So let me bring in Jeff Ritter from Make the Turn. Jeff Ritter, welcome to the 18 Strong Podcast. Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. This is a very exciting interview for me because... I've been watching your stuff and what you guys are doing with Make the Turn, and it just seems that so many pieces that you guys are really putting forward and putting together content-wise, but just mission-wise, really kind of fall in line what we're trying to also just you know, reflect here at 18 Strong, the whole lifestyle piece, the performance piece, nutrition, fitness, everything. And uh, so I have to say, first of all, your, your Instagram, Instagram account has been blowing up. You're doing an amazing job with your social media. 
and, and your message. And obviously, you've got some great partners where, where you're, you've got a lot of exposure, so you're getting your message out in many, many great ways. But I want to know a little bit more of the backstory of where Make the Turn came from. And first, just kind of you, you know, where, where did Jeff Ritter grow up? What kind of a family life did you have? And give us the story, man. Yeah, I mean, I've been involved with the game my, my entire life. My dad was a, was a club pro at a little nice little private club, a couple hundred members outside of Philadelphia. And, um, and since I was three years old, I've been involved with, with the game of golf. You know, and I remember you know, just basically spending all day, every day at the golf course that I wasn't, wasn't in school. And we were a far enough drive away from the golf course that like, my mom would wake me up at like 6 a.m. You know, and she would say, are you going to play golf today? Because if you are, then there's only one car going to the golf course and it's your dad's, you know. So it's like I didn't have the opportunity to like be some sleepy kid and wake up at nine o'clock and, you know, cruise down in the afternoon and hit a few balls. It was like your dad's opening the shop. You got to get in the car. You got to go down there. And, you know, you just you're just there all day, you know. So you learn how to, you know, fix golf clubs and, you know, you just work on your game. And, you know, junior golfers, they can't play golf until two o'clock, at least at our place. So it's like, what am I going to do from like 7 a.m. till two o'clock? And it just becomes being creative and hitting shots and spending all morning in the bunker and then bugging the people in the restaurant and then like riding around with the greens crew. So, you know, golf has just always been a hundred percent, you know, who I am, you know, and then I got to that point where like, well, what am I going to do with my, with my life? You know, people start to ask you like when you're in, in high school, like, you know, what are you going to do for a living? You know, who do you want to be when you grow up? And yeah, I just saw how hard my dad worked, you know, and how he didn't have weekends available. And it was really lucky because I loved the game so much that I was able to, you know, be with him all, all the time, you know. Um, but I didn't necessarily see myself in the same role that, that he was in. And we would take all these like father son trips to go to different golf schools and, and see other, you know, well, well known coaches in the region and also nationally. And I just started saying to myself, well, this looks pretty good. You know, you show up, you got a problem and, and this person helps you to make the ball fly better and, and you're happy and he's happy. And I mean, what what better living could you make doing something like that? And this is back in like back in like the heyday of like the golf digest schools and they had these these teachers like, you know, Peter Costas and Jim Flick that were well known because of Golf Digest magazine. So I just kind of like fell in love with this idea of if I was really good at something like teaching, then every day would be this amazing exchange of information and building of relationships and and I would never have all the headaches associated with um, the kind of job that I saw my dad in. Now, he had a really great job and he had a great membership and all these things, but I just knew that for me, I wanted to have more control over what I was doing and, and I wanted to spend all of my time doing things that I was interested in versus all of that minutia that surrounds you know, managing a big operation. So right. when I was um, 16 years old, I gave my first golf lesson. Um, you know, I was reading all the, all the books that my dad had in his library and you know, looking at different, you know, VHS tapes and, you know, really just trying to figure out my own game as well. So, um, yeah, I was a pretty good player and I would play with the members and they would ask me a couple of questions and I kind of got a reputation at the club as someone who maybe knew a thing or two, which I really didn't back then. At 16, you don't, you don't know anything, but, um, there's a lot of bad golfers at the club. So (laughs) (laughs) they started asking me for some help and my dad said, well, you know, if they pay you something, then go ahead, you know, give them a, give them a lesson. So I actually had like a handful of members that I would see on a regular basis and I would just try and figure out, you know, the best way to help them. And of course, back then I had no idea what that, what that was. I didn't understand cause and effect and how the golf swing worked, but I really, you know, immersed myself into wanting to know about those things. So when I went to college, I went to college at New Mexico State. I was in that uh, professional golf management program. And, and back then, this is like 1990, there were only three schools in America that offered the program, right? Really? One was uh, Ferris State up in Big Rapids, Michigan, and I just thought too cold, so I didn't even consider that. One was Mississippi State, which was in a part of the country I had no uh, connection to or really any education around, so I just said skip that. Um, actually, Penn State had had the program, but it was in the College of Parks and Recreation, right? Really? And, that's, and I thought to myself, man, if this golf thing doesn't work out, am I going to be a park ranger? <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't, like I didn't have any connection to like really wanting to be a park ranger or anything like that. I'm sure the, the degree is a lot more than that, so if anyone hears this, don't hammer me on that. But um, it was just sort of by default. I'm like, I guess I'm going to New Mexico. And I went out there, and I really, really was struggling with, with my golf game. Um, and I came across a guy in, in Phoenix named uh, Mike LeBove. And Mike LeBove is a 
top 50 golf digest teacher. He used to run the golf digest schools. He works with Bryce Mulder now and Cheyenne Woods. And back in the day, he was working with a guy named Keith Clearwater. And, um, you know, I saw him on the cover of golf digest and, and I just said, you know what, I need to see this guy. So I picked up the phone and at the time I'm like 19 or 20 or whatever. And I was like, so nervous. It's crazy. I was like, I was so nervous calling this guy because he was who I wanted to be. And I figured, you know, maybe if I can like buy an hour of his time, I can spend half of it working on my game and then maybe half of it just asking him questions about, you know, how do I do what, what, what you do? And, um, he was willing to, to give his time. He gave me the whole hour lesson and then we had lunch together. But two things happened in, in that session. Number one, I hit the ball better than I hit it in a very long time, in a very, very short period of time. Um, and that's when I realized that the, the coaching that I was receiving, it wasn't, it wasn't all equal, you know, because I was at the point where I was struggling so bad, I almost wanted to just put my clubs away, that I thought that I was the problem. You know, I think a lot of students, they have this experience where I've invested all this time in my game, I've seen all these coaches, and my ball flight's the same, my scores are the same, or they're getting worse. You know, maybe golf just isn't for me, you know. And that was frustrating for me because, you know, I, I thought of myself as being uh, a very athletic, coordinated person. You know, I played all sports besides golf. I thought I was pretty good um, at pretty much everything that I that I did to a certain to a certain degree. I was never deterred playing a sport because I couldn't run or catch or throw or whatever. You know, golf was just my thing. And now golf is my thing, and I feel like my game is like terrible. I, I felt like as much information as I knew, I should be way way better. You know, and when I went to work with Mike. Um, he coached me and communicated and, and analyzed and adjusted me in a way where I was like, Oh my God, where, where has that been? Right. And I was just, and I was just totally empowered. And, and as I go forward in the story, um, you know, our tagline is reveal possibility, right? As I started becoming a coach in my own right and thinking about my own experience, um, I realized that the whole secret to, uh, exciting and empowering people is through coaching, being able to show them something that that's way better above and beyond, um, what they've seen before, you know, and, and in mo most cases, it's not the student, it's really the communication and the information. And, um, if you can show someone how good they can really be in a very short period of time, then that really excites them and gets them, um, more uh, enthusiastic about pursuing achievement in all aspects of their life, whether that's hitting a golf ball, you know, how we use our minds, you know, how we feed our bodies or how we take care of our bodies, you know? So, um, so I went to see Mike and I had this amazing experience. And then, um, back in the day, I used to have this three ring, three ring binder, right? Yeah. Kind of like, you, know, you hear these NFL coaches, you know, they got these big three ring binders and you know, they learned the West coast offense and they, they learned, you know, so, um, I had a, a three ring binder just full of all of my coaching information questions. I used to like rip all the articles out of golf digest. And back then they used to have like a swing sequence every month. So I'd have like little lines drawn across, you know, the shaft and their shoulders and all stuff. And you know, Mike said, you know, Oh, you got some questions for me. And I literally like reached down, right. I like, threw this three binder out. And he was just like, Whoa. And, um, you know, he answered all my questions, but, but something in that hour we spent together, um, I guess I, you know, he was willing to, to share his knowledge with me and, and he thought that maybe I was, I was someone who was worth, you know, trying to help along. So after that, that lunch, we go into his office and he picks up his phone and this is, you know, 1990 and he, and he calls Hank Haney and he goes, Hank, I got a guy that I think you should meet. And I'm sitting there going, what, what just, what just, what just happened? <laughs> And um, I never met Hank Haney, but I did fly down to his facility and I met with his um, uh, director of instruction at that point in time. But, you know, the, the point is, is that like in that moment, um, I was like severely empowered by his interest. And, and that's when I said to myself, this is this is absolutely this is absolutely for me because, you know, I love this stuff. And, and here's someone that I, I really respect and I've only known him for for two hours and he helped me with my golf game. And he made this call and then he said, anytime you want to come up and watch me coach, then, then just come up. And I actually would drive the six hours every single month from Las Cruces, New Mexico to Phoenix. And I would sit on the back of his lesson tee and I would watch him teach golf digest schools. And, um, 
you know, in a golf digest school, you'd have, you know, six to 10 people, right? And coaches, normally they coach from left to right. You know, you start on the left and then you move to the right. So that way, when you go to the next person, you can look back at the person you just coached and make sure that they're kind of like, you know, following along with your, with your lesson protocol. And what I would do is I would watch my teach and then I would move ahead one, right? Before he was there. Right. I would try and, I would try and come up with what, what I would do. And then I would see what Mike would do. You know, and I would sit back there and I'd be like, this is what I would do. Then Mike would come over and I'd be like, damn. <laughs> you know? And then I would do that again. I'd be like, ah, wrong again. So um, I just did that so often that um, that I started being more correct or more in line with what, what he would do. And of course, there's a lot of different ways to address an issue. But I mean, I always tell new coaches that, um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not knowledge, right? I mean, anybody can get can get knowledge and you know, I can, I can read a book. I can go to a, go to a seminar. I can get a certification. I mean, you, you need the information, but having the information doesn't mean, doesn't mean Jack, right? It's, it's the application of knowledge, um, in a real life setting, right? Where you take something that's inherently complex, such as the golf swing mm-hmm. and you communicate in a way where you make it simple, doable and athletic, right? And that's what, what great coaching is all about, you know, so, you know, advice to other coaches, the best thing you can do is just find someone who is amazing at what they do and just do whatever you can, um, to get into their good graces and, and just watch, just watch them do their thing and, and try and have it rub off on you as much as possible. Yeah. It's interesting. We've talked about this a couple of times on the show where, you know, having that knowledge is one thing, but, but being able to relay it, whether you're, so if you're a coach, being able to relay it, but if you're a student, finding a person that's able to relay it in your own words or the way that you understand it and comprehend it, because there's so much information on the, on the internet and, you know, there's so many different websites on instruction and things like that. But if you can find the person that, that can speak your language, Mm -hmm. you'll be able to apply it so much more. I want to go back to you talking about being able to reveal possibility, which is yeah. your, your tagline. And I was watching one of your videos on your site and you said, one of the big things you do is try to, um, you find that inspired action and, mm-hmm. and, and let them know what the possibility is or give them a glimpse. Can mm-hmm. you go into that a little, just a little bit more? And, and then yeah. what you guys do at make the turn to, to not only in the golf game, but for the other entities that you guys work on, yeah, uh, sure. kind of inspire there. Well, I mean, the, the big the big belief that I have is that um, every every behavior is is perfect, right? It's it's be, it's just perfect for the results that it that it produces, right? So, um, you know, I gave a talk in in Cambodia last week to a big uh, event um, that we did with with Barclays out there, and um, you know, we coached in a lot of different different settings, and this was a corporate setting where the the, the lessons are much much shorter. Um, than they would have in a private session or a golf school. But, but I always make the point that um, if you're topping, slicing, shanking, hooking, or missing it, you're doing everything perfect to get that result, right? And they, of course, they, they, all, they all laugh, but, but, it, but it's true, you know? Um, so the thing is, is that if you want a different result, right, then you have to be willing to do something with your, with your behavior, right? So um, in a golf lesson, if, if someone's, you know, getting one or uh, any combination of those shots, you know, if, if I, as the coach am the master of differences and I know the quickest adjustments to make, to be able to shift the bottom of your swing, uh, the speed, the club is traveling where the ball is striking the face and you as the student are willing to go along and surrender to the learning process, then within possibly one golf swing, you're going to see a result that's different than the one you had before, you know, and if I'm right, which I hope that I am, right, uh, the ball's gonna fly in a way that gets your ego more excited. It's not a better shot, it's a different shot, but now the difference is, wow, that felt great on the face, wow, that traveled farther, wow, that curved the other way. So when someone comes in for a golf lesson and they say, you know, hey, you know what, I've, I've committed myself to, to working on my game, you know, um, you know, how long is it gonna take for me to to improve, I say, well, you should improve immediately, you know, and that's not a line of BS. It's just, it's just a fact, mm-hmm. right? Because anything that we do differently is going to create a different result. And if I know what I'm doing and you're willing to follow me, we'll get that result right now. Now, you know, ownership of a new skill that takes patience, will, 
and discipline, right? Because because golf is hard. But in that moment, right, and in that first initial session, we're going to hit a bunch of shots where you go, that's what I'm talking about. And then from there, I mean, that's the ignition point where they go, I'm all in. I do want to spend more time at the golf course because if I can hit it like that, then this is going to be a lot of fun. And, and a lot of times people come out to the golf course and, you know, whether they're taking lessons with me or I'm just kind of, you know, driving down the ninth hole at our golf course and I'm watching people hit shots, you know, I look at them and I go, man, that doesn't look like fun. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, in, in the world that we live in, man, there's a lot of stuff you can do besides playing golf that is a lot of fun, right? And if you're making swings and you're whacking them off the hosel and taking deep divots and you're out there for six hours, who wants to do that? Not me. No, right? me either. Right? So, um, yeah, so, you know, a student's connection with, with me and our program is all about saying, yeah, you're not the problem. You can hit amazing golf shots. It's not a bunch of BS. It's just a, a shift in behavior. Um, and then we try and give them the tools and support to be able to go out there and have this level of empowerment where they feel like they've learned something, they understand cause and effect as it relates to their swing, and they can systematically keep advancing their, their skill level. Um, and the thing is, is that uh, I realized that when I was in Arizona, um, I was there for 15 years. And um, that's when I was like, really getting into doing YouTube stuff. Like back in 2007, back in 2007, you know, there wasn't all this golf information available on YouTube. Like you would go to YouTube back then, it was like, you know, stupid dog tricks and people blowing up mailboxes. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't the place that you go for, for knowledge. Right. Right. And, um, you know, one of my students just said, you know, why don't you post some of this stuff to, to YouTube? And I started doing that. And, um, a lot of the stuff I would post would just be sample, sample lessons, you know, and, and I wasn't thinking that, you know, what I was doing was better than the next guy or girl, whatever. I would just like, Hey, here's today's lesson. And I would throw it up. Right. And then I would throw a tip up, um, following that or something. But because Phoenix is a very accessible place for people that travel for vacation, you know, or business, um, you know, my lesson book just started like over overflowing and, it wasn't long be before the majority of my clients weren't from anywhere near Phoenix. You know, I was in my studio one day and I had a guy from France and I had a guy from China. I had a guy from Australia, like, you know, back to back to back. And they were all talking to each other saying, you know, oh, we saw him on YouTube. And the thing that I think that, that I was doing um, that, was, that was positive is that I was showing people like a huge result in a short period of time. I think people were sitting there at home going, man, if I made that trip, do you think he could do that, do that for me? And, and all I was doing is I was just doing what Mike was doing, right? But that's when I realized that, you know, the whole secret to getting people excited is getting a result. It's not locking them into some program, you know, and giving them a series of drills and having them struggle through it. It was like, you show up, here's the ball flight, here's what we could do differently, and then bam, there it goes. And that's what Mike did for me that got me excited about my game again. And that's when, just from a golf perspective, um, I started making it my goal to just totally rock someone's world when they came out to the lesson team. Like every lesson for me that got me excited was like, okay, here's a person I've never seen before. What's your name? Where did you come from? Tell me what, what's frustrating you. Tell me what would get you excited and let's make that happen, happen right now. So like when people would come in for a lesson, um, well, for like a lot of coaches, you know, someone shows up and they go, oh, here's my ball flight, blah, blah, blah. You know, gosh, my driver, man, if I could just hit my driver, that would just totally change my world. And the coach goes, well, let's take our sand wedge and let's learn how to chip the ball. Right. Well, who the hell wants to do that? You know what I mean? Ooh, just right. totally drops their, their excitement level. Right. And the thing is, I mean, and I used to do those things, right? So I'm not like hammering coaches who do that. But the thing is, is that, you know, if they struggle with their driver – then why can't you just help them hit their driver, right? And, and make that ball flight change. And, and one of the things that, that I really believe in, and, and I wish I knew where I heard it from, is that um, sometimes um, you have to give someone what they want in order to earn the trust to give them what they need, right? I like that. And, and, and I think that there's no reason why any coach shouldn't be able to, in a few minutes, you know, make the driver fly better. Get that person excited, giving them what they want most. And then from there, if you have a, a, a grander plan, 
right, to try and filter them through, now you've got their attention. Mm-hmm. But if they show up, you know, slicing in the trees and you have them chip for an hour and then they go back out and they slice it back in the trees, they're just going to think that's the biggest waste of money in the world. Yeah. You know, so um, I just go right to what's going to get them excited. And that's the question I ask them. You know, I walk like when I was in Cambodia, I walk up to each person on the range and they're going to tee off in like 20 minutes. And I walk up and I say, you know, what's your name? Pat them on the shoulder. I'll say, all right, we got five minutes, right? What can I help you with that's going to get you totally excited, you know, about, about your ball flight? You know, and they look at me like, really? So yeah, let's, let's do it. And, um, you know, they give me their answer and I go, all right, hit a few shots and, and away we go, you know, and, um, there's no, there's no video and there's no radar and there's no, you know, force plates or anything like that. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to coach, right? But, but every coach should be able to, to be able to help people, um, you know, with technology and also with the absence of technology. Um, and there's different kinds of lessons that, that, that you give and not every lesson needs to be some hour long, um, uh, analysis of every inch of, of movement, you know, the golf swing and, and impact and the ball flight, it's all, it's all cause and effect. People have been coaching the game very successfully for hundreds of years. Um, I think technology is something that um, is, is very helpful, um, but we also have to be careful in terms of how we use it. And that, that goes down to, you know, the knowledge, of course, then how that applies to the application of knowledge. And at the end of the day, you know, if I'm using radar or not, like I've, I've never, like literally, I've never had someone show up my lesson to um, and say, you know, are we going to use this? Are we going to use that? Sometimes I don't even use video at all. You know, sometimes I've had people show up. I've had people show up with some really unusual looking swings and all, all they want to do is hit the ball better. That's all anyone wants to do. Hit the ball better and shoot lower scores. You know, and sometimes if you start to show them things that are outside of their perception, right, that are non-relevant to their goal of hitting better shots and shooting lower scores, it just totally ruins their, their enjoyment for the game. So they come up, they're hitting four inches behind it, and the ball's slicing to the right. Here, adjust this, adjust this. There the ball flies. They go play golf. They come back a week later, and they go, man, that was great. Shot my best round ever. Perfect. Yep. It's that yeah. quick win. You know, it's, it's like bringing somebody into to the gym or the, the therapy clinic or whatever, and they've got a little issue, a little pain. And if you can fix that right away, maybe, maybe you're just fixing a symptom that has a, a deeper cause, but if you can get rid of that pain right away for that person, yeah. they love you forever. Yeah. And, and then, like you said, you gave them what they, what they wanted, and now they trust you enough to where, hey, let's, let's start talking, let's go a little bit deeper and give you a little bit more of what you need. Let's get down to some more of the root causes or some of the more fundamentals. But let's let's give you something that you want that makes you feel better, that makes you more excited. I, I love okay. that approach. So yeah. with uh, didn't mean to cut you off there, but with the, with the um, the lessons and everything that you were giving. So you're you know you have the the golf instruction, but with make the turn, you've done something that I haven't seen a lot of other coaches do, and and more so than just going the traditional golf instruction route or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the destination golf schools and things like that. You bring in a lot more of the, the lifestyle component. Yeah. You bring in a lot more of the, the physical stuff, the nutrition stuff. You've got a whole team around you that, that helps you with that as well. Where did the shift come from to go from just, you know, what Mike was doing mm-hmm. and, and the things you learned there to, hey, let's, why don't we tie some of this other stuff in too? Yeah, so um, so I was probably about thirty-one years old, and um, you know, I was I was coaching at you know in Phoenix and whatnot, and um, you know, you, you know, like I was, I was really active in high school and growing up and whatnot, play a lot of sports, and yeah, you know, I just think that um, I was always able to stay relatively fit and lean just because of you know genetics and the fact that maybe I was more active than the next guy. But as you start focusing on, on a business and building a life for yourself, um, you start to, um, you know, do things, uh, differently than you did before. You know, you spend, you know, too much time at the office. You spend too much time building your business. Uh, you don't eat as well as you should be eating. You're not taking care of your body. And then all of a sudden I had this moment when I literally was just totally, totally burnt out. And literally I was like looking at myself in my bathroom mirror and I could feel my belly like, like leaning up against the sink, right? And my, you know, my, 
I had like bags underneath my eyes, you know, and my arms were small. And like when I was, um, when I was in high school, I exercised a lot. Like I was like, you know, kind of like a, uh, a gym rat, so to speak, you know, where I was like, if I missed a workout, like it would freak me out, you know? And I always, I always promised myself that I would never become one of the people that I would see playing golf at my dad's club. Like the guys in the Wednesday night groups with the beer bellies and they're smoking cigarettes. And I'm like, how did you become like that? And I said, I'm never going to do that. But I had this moment where I was like, Oh my God, I'm turning into exactly what I promised that I never would. Um, and I never had to this point, I never had any kind of, um, formal training in, in what it meant to be fit or take care of your body. And, you know, if I joined a gym, I would just go in there and just do some basic things and, you know, whatever, and just a waste of time. And, um, there was, um, there was a, a new company that was launching itself, um, within like walking distance of my coaching team and a company was called athletes performance. Um, they're now known as exos and, um, uh, the sort of, um, the visionary behind athletes performance is a guy named Mark Verstegen. Uh, who's a, a real big deal in, in fitness. I'm sure you know who he is. And, and he was, um, because they hadn't built their facility yet. They were having their, their meetings and their lunches over at our golf course, right? Cause it was just adjacent to where they were. And they, they looked like, you know, their whole team, you know, they're sponsored by Adidas and, and Mark is like, talk about someone that walks their talk. I mean, he's, he's probably like six, two and he's totally jacked and he's got this, you know, like military flat. I mean, they, every day they walked in with their Adidas jumpsuits. All I could think of like was the movie cool runnings, you know, cause like, right. cause they look over and there's the German bobsled team, just like a, like a machine, like a well-oiled, you know, awesome machine. And, uh, I just got the courage to, uh, walk up to him and I said, Hey, you know what? I'm at this point in my life where, um, you know, I need, I need to figure out how to take care of myself, you know, and, and I don't really know exactly what you guys do or what you charge or whatever, but, but I could really use some help. And if I could just maybe spend like 30 minutes asking you some questions, um, I, I'd, I'd really appreciate your time. And he looked at me, he said, um, he goes, okay, um, you know, we're going to open uh, up in a few weeks. Um, we're at this other location in the meantime, he says, um, can you be there tomorrow morning at 6am? Right. I said, sure. So I showed up at 6 a.m. Um, and they let me train in their program for eight straight years. Wow. Right? And um, I became sort of part of the part of the AP family over there. And um, every day I would walk in, I'd be surrounded by pro athletes. I mean, like if you, if you look at them on online, they're now now Exos. I mean, you know, last year I think like 280 plus NFL players you know, spent their off season at Exo. So when I was there, it was like Mia Hamm was there and Nomar Garcia Parra and Kurt Schilling and Adrian Peterson and I mean, Olympians. And so I was just in this environment that totally, you know, created this level of excitement. But, um, and this is a true story. So the first day we're out there and they had this little AstroTurf field and, and at 6am in Phoenix, um, in the middle of winter, it's actually pretty darn cold, you know? And, um, we go out onto this, this field you know, and it's still a black sky and the moon is there. And, um, you know, we start off with some, some movement prep. Right. And, and I'd always been the guy that, you know, would stretch like number one, never. Right. <laughs> or if I would, stretch, or if I would stretch, it would be one of the common stretches you would see, you know, someone doing where you're like, seriously, what are you, what are you doing there? And, um, so we started off with this exercise, uh, known as the world's greatest stretch. Right. And it was, a it was a forward lunge with the forearm to the instep and there was a little rotation, you know, and then a hamstring stretch. And like, literally I was like, Oh mama. Like <laughs> I felt, I just felt stuff that I felt stuff I never felt before. Um, and it was, it was painful and it was a little bit, um, uh, discouraging at first because I just realized how bad a shape that I was actually in. Um, and they had this really awesome like sound system, you know, there, uh, cause this football, football field, they also use it for Arizona state university, um, uh, football program. So they would actually have their practices there and they would be like, you know, you know, blare music through there. So anyway, um, they started, um, and this is no joke. They started, uh, playing, uh, a song from the Rocky soundtrack, um, called going the distance by, by Bill Conti and, and growing up near Philadelphia, I was a huge Rocky fan. And I'm telling you, like, sometimes we have these moments in our lives where we're everything, everything changes, right? And as I was going through these stretches and as I started hearing this song, you know, something like changed in me where I said, today is, is the first day of, of, of 
something that's going to be special for the rest of my life. And because I was so um, honored to be invited to be, be part of that program, you know, I never, I never missed a single workout in eight years. Like I said to myself, like I would wake up in the morning and I was in my early thirties and I would go out and I'd have a couple drinks at the bar and my friends would be all hung over, you know, at five three in the morning, I'm like, I don't care how bad I feel. I'm going in because if I don't go in, I'm disrespecting, yeah. you know, Mark and his offer and, and what he, and this amazing gift that he gave to me. So when I started the program, I was like 143 pounds. Um, I, at the end of the program, I was like 182 pounds. Right. <laughs> And, and, and I was training and living and, you know, I became an athlete and, and I wasn't, you know, when I was in that program, I wasn't training from a golf mindset. I was just training from a, you know, a life empowerment athletic mindset. And I just really enjoyed being in that environment. So, um, I just, I just trained like, like an athlete, you know, and I enjoyed seeing the gains in strength and I enjoyed seeing the gains in, in, in muscle and how my body changed, um, so my experience with athletes' performance was one of these things where, you know, that moment, you know, just like I had that moment with Mike hitting golf shots, mm-hmm. you know, I had that moment, that experience with, with fitness and Mark and his team, where I just became totally empowered to, to change myself, you know, and it became part of my lifestyle. Um, during that time, uh, I met a guy named Chris Doris, and Chris is part of our, our mindset team at Make the Turn, and Chris was the... Uh, the sports psychologist for Arizona State men's golf. Um, he went on to work with a number of tour pros and athletes from different sports, and now he works with big big companies and whatnot. But he was um, he was writing a book called uh, "Creating Your Dream: Confidently Stepping Into Your Own Brilliance," and uh, we became pretty good friends. and And in that book, he had uh, considered putting an exercise that he got from Tony Robbins called the Genie List. Right. And he just wanted to test out the effectiveness of the exercise before we put it in. So, you know, he and I are friends and it's a Friday night and we're going to go out and have a good time together and whatnot. And he goes, will you do this exercise? And I said, sure. So he gives me a, a yellow legal pad. He goes, all right, I want you to, um, to write down some categories, personal goals, professional goals, family goals, or other. And I just want you to go into a room and I want you to stay in there for like one to two hours. Right? <laughs> and he goes, and I want you to write on that legal pad everything you would ever hope to accomplish in your entire lifetime under one basic premise, which is, uh, you have your own personal genie, which holds infinite levels of possibility and an unlimited number of wishes. So in essence, if I could have beer do whatever I wanted without restriction, what would those things be, right? So one of the basic ideas here is that um, people, by and large, are operating from a shrunken level of imagination, right? The things that we are doing now actively in our lives are a product of our past or our conditioning. You know? So um, we create these these beliefs, which are largely untrue, of what what our true potential is, or what things are available or not available to us. So the genie list is saying, hey, forget about everything that happened before this moment. If I could have all of these things, you know, hey, Jeannie, I'd like to have this. Poof, it shows up. Like, what, what would it be, right? right. Yeah. Um, so um, I created this huge list. And, and on this list, you're supposed to um, write down things that are fantastic to you, right? And, of course, uh, the root of, of fantastic is, is, is fantasy, right? So um, I create this list, and on this list there are all these like ridiculous things, like I'd like to own a hundred Lamborghinis, and like you know I don't need a hundred, <laughs> right. um, and I like to have you know twenty five houses in Maui, and I like to you know whatever um, you know breathe underwater, and just like, um, but but within those 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 crazy things, there are things that show up, right? That your heart is genuinely attached to, that 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 you haven't um, outwardly expressed. Right, things that you didn't know were even inside of you that they come out, and you're like, "Whoa, this is kind of interesting." Where did where did that come from? So, I gave Chris the the list, and um, I'm like, "There you go, let's go out." Right? He's like, "Well, no, that was step one. Step two is we have to take immediate action on things that are on the list." So the first thing he goes, "Oh, he goes, check this out. Uh, fly airplanes." He goes, "Tell me about this." And I'm like, uh, he's like, there's got to be a story. Like, why would you write fly airplanes down? I'm just like, okay, well, you know what? When I was 14, um, a friend of mine, his dad had a twin engine plane 
and he flew us from Philadelphia down to uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina for the Sea Pines Heritage Classic, and I saw Davis Love win his very first golf tournament. And while we were flying down, we hit this huge storm, and the plane was being tossed and turned around, and everyone on the plane was like doing the whole white knuckle, like, oh my gosh, are we going to survive? And, and I was doing just the opposite. I was looking at the gauges going, this is incredible. So he goes, cool. He goes, all right, take your phone. He goes, let's go ahead and let's set up an appointment to fly some airplanes tomorrow. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, you want to fly airplanes, so why are we not flying airplanes? And I'm like, dude, I'm like, dude, I don't have any, I don't have any money. I mean, it's like, you, 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 have you seen my bank account? I've got, I can't, you know, it's, it's scary. I don't have any, you know, any money. Like, I don't even know if I'm smart enough to do this. I mean, he goes, these are all things that stop people from following their dreams. These are self-imposed limitations. You know, so if we take action right now, trust me, he goes, you're going to figure this out, right? So I set up an appointment to do that. The next thing, I'll go through this quickly here. The next thing was I wanted to play guitar, right? He goes, tell me about that. I'm like, well, that one's easy because um, I always grew up playing sports. My grandfather had this band, you know, and every time I would visit, he had like a hundred different instruments. He could play all of them. He wrote his own songs. And my whole life, you know, my whole adult life, so to speak, I would go out, you know, Wednesday night or Thursday night or Friday night, and I would go to these different bars and I would see this like acoustic performer. And every single time at, at some point during the performance, I would say to myself in my head, I wish I could do that. And never, never did anything about it. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know how cheap it is to buy a guitar? I can buy one on Craigslist right now for $25. Yep. Right? Never bought one. Right. So I uh, picked up the phone and I set up a guitar lesson right after my flying lesson. And then he went down the list and he goes, um, he goes, oh, you know, uh, write a book. You know, tell me about the book you want to write. I'm like, I don't know. I just thought that, I mean, who wouldn't want to write a book? You know, he's like, well, he goes, literally, he goes, open up a Word document and I want you to write the first sentence of your book. I'm like, I don't know what book I want. He goes, just, just write something. So um, um, this is, I, I just seen a, a movie on, uh, on TV, a rerun of a, of a Billy Crystal movie called Throw Mama from the Train. Yeah. Great movie. And, and and he's got writer's block, you know. So he's sitting there in front of his in front of his typewriter, and it just says the night was, dot dot dot. So I just wrote that. That's what I wrote, right? And then I just closed it up. <laughs> and then um, then he goes, you know, oh, you want to be on the cover of a of a golf magazine? I'm like, why? Well, coach, coach golf. You know, if I was on the cover, that would probably mean that I did something good. He goes, have you done any work for magazines? And I said, oh yeah, there's this magazine in, in Los Angeles. I did a couple of tips for. He goes, I want you to email the, the editor right now, like right now, and just ask him, first of all, thank him for, you know, what you guys have done together and just ask him, you know, how they, you know, go about deciding what goes on a cover, just out of curiosity. Like, you know, how do you come up with your stories and, you know, what's, what do you deem cover worthy? So I did that. And then the final thing for this particular story on that list was I wanted to visit St. Andrews, right? Because I'd never, never been to St. Andrews, home of golf and you know, that sounds like a great, great place to, place to go. So, um, I pulled up a website for St. Andrews and I bookmarked it and, and that was my St. Andrews. So those are all immediate actions around this, this whole thing. So the next day, um, we go out to the, the flight center and they have a $49 discovery flight. You know, so they, they put you in the airplane, they fly you around Scottsdale and then you land, you know, and we go back into the office and the guy was like, you know, what did you think? And I'm like, man, that was, that was in, incredible, you know? Um, and he starts telling me what it's going to cost to, to do the program, to get your pilot's license. And literally I go, good time out, bro. <laughs> I said, uh, I, I don't have any money, you know? So this was amazing, but you know, I got, I got a guitar lesson I'm supposed to go to. Right? <laughs> He's like, what? Um, so I started telling this guy that, I, you know, I can't afford to fly airplanes and all this stuff. And he goes, he goes, well, hang on a second. He said, um, you coach golf, right? You mentioned that you're a golf instructor. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, you know what? I got a 12-year-old daughter, and I'd love for her to learn how to play. Um, if you teach her how to play, we'll teach you how to fly. No way. So um, 12 months later, I was a licensed airplane pilot. Didn't cost me any money, right? Um, and the, the big lesson from there is, um, and one of our mantras is the how is in the what within my greatest desires already lie the mechanics for their own fulfillment. So if I have um, the courage to, you know, authentically express exactly what I want, 
Um, and then from there to take immediate action without coming up with these moments of hesitation where I come up with these self-imposed limitations like I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have the education, then the universe tends to conspire in your favor to come up with a solution that already exists, right? So um, I go to this guitar lesson, and do you play any instruments at all or anything like that? Or Back in the day, third through fifth grade, I played the trumpet. Trumpet. Well, I mean... You know, like when, when you're when you think of yourself as a coordinated person because you played baseball or whatever or golf, you just assume that, oh, you know, I'm going to take this instrument and they're going to show me how to do it. And then I'm just going to learn how to do it. Yeah. So I'm in this guitar lesson and, you know, I'm trying to like a guitar doesn't like just balance itself. At least the first time you you, you hold it, you put it on your leg and you're like, whoa, I mean, this is this is crazy. And then your hands are in this like really weird posture. Right. And you're yeah. shaking. And uh, the guy goes, all right, well, give it a strum. And I'm in this, this store, Musician's Discount in Mesa, Arizona, right? And there's people like walking around, like trying to like look at, you know, old instruments for sale. And I go to strum this guitar and I swear to gosh, I mean, it, it, it comes out of my hand and it flips over and it lands on the ground and it makes this terrible sound. And I'm so embarrassed and I'm like, oh my God. And I'm driving home and I'm just so discouraged. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe I'm a drummer, drums. <laughs> Maybe drumming is my thing, right? But but I go home and I had a I had a couple of roommates at this time. Um, I had a house in Arizona. I just rented out some rooms to some buddies, and they were watching uh, Shawshank Redemption, which is my favorite movie. And it was at the point in the movie where Morgan Freeman explains how Andy Dufresne was able to escape Shawshank, and the big lesson was pressure and time. You know, he had this little tiny rock hammer, and he scratched on the wall of his prison cell just a little bit each day, and then over twenty years, you know, he created a big gaping hole which allowed him to, you know, uh, find his, find his freedom. So I said to myself, you know what, just like golf, you can play music for your whole life. So maybe if I just spent like five minutes a day doing what this guy wants me to do, it'll, it'll turn into something, but I'm not going to put any huge expectations on it. Well, um, I just kind of fell in love with this idea that every time I practiced, I got a little bit better. Like the, the strings would buzz a little bit less and, you know, pretty soon, you know, I, could play, you know, a chord and then I could kind of like, you know, turn them into sort of a song that nobody would like, but it was way better than when I started. So I started practicing so much because I had this, you know, moment of ignition and empowerment that, um, six months later, uh, I was playing and singing to an wow. audience, to an audience in the very bar where I used to sit and say, I wish, I wish, I wish. Right. And then from there I started, you know, talking to people and like, what are you doing? Like, oh, I'm playing some guitar. And the guy's like, well, I play bass. Oh, I play drums. You know, I'm a pretty decent singer. And we created a band, right? And we would play open mic nights all around town. We played weddings and stuff like that. And we were doing like acoustic covers of like Foo Fighters and, you know, Pearl Jam and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, like my little rock star, you know, dream, you know, in a very small way came true for me. And we had a whole catalog of songs and I could play about 30 songs acoustically. And, um, yeah, so I realized that, um, the courage to act turned into something, um, as it relates to the book, you know, Chris encouraged me, you know, when someone says to you, what's going on, tell them what's going on. Because a lot of times people say, Hey, what's going on, Jeff? And they go, you go, Oh, you know, you know, same old, same old. Well, if you, if you give them that line, there's no way they can help you. Right. There's no way that, you know, what you want in here, you know, can figure itself out out there. So I had a client come in one day and he's like, hey, what's going on? And I go, you know what? I'm writing a book. Like, and I literally, I hadn't written anything yet. He goes, oh, really? I'm in publishing. He said, uh, maybe we should sit down and talk about it, right? So we sit down, we talk about it. And I had all these ideas for these, um, you know, little life lessons surrounded with surrounded by like, you know, little weird stories of things that have happened to me growing up in the golf course and crazy things that I've seen, like the Caddyshack moments of, you know, just growing up and watching members do stupid stuff, trying to play and whatnot. Um, so I cranked out, you know, uh, 18 different stories. Um, we, we called the book, your kid ate a divot, 18 life lessons from the links. Never really sold any copies. Right. But I actually saw a kid eat a divot once cause he was, so <laughs> um, but at the end of it, um, I got an endorsement from Chicken Soup for the Soul. I got an endorsement from Ben Crenshaw and Golf Digest. Um, a lot of people like the little stories and whatnot. And um, so I, I wrote a book, you know, because of that. And then um, 
as relates to the magazine, I started doing more writing for this magazine in Los Angeles called Golf Tips Magazine. Um, I was able to get a cover, and then to this date, I've got six national covers that came from that, you know, genie list. And then the final thing, which is really cool, is I was uh, doing some work for a magazine in the UK called Golf Punk Magazine. Really great guys over there. Love those guys. Um, really fantastic people, and they just got a really cool viewpoint of the game. But um, during the 2010 British Open, they said, hey, um, you know, we want to buy a thousand copies of your book, and if, if it's agreeable to you, could you sign them? Uh, on the 18th hole at St. Andrews on Sunday. No way. So my St. Andrews dream came true. So, so the reason why that story is so important, and you can kind of start seeing um, you know, where Make the Turn starts to come from, is that I had a, a mindset experience which literally changed my life. You know? and, and what I realized is that, number one, um, the secret to being um, – Personally successful, not financially successful, but you know, personally successful and feeling excited about life is to is to challenge yourself to expand your own personal level of possibility, and that comes through uh, exercises and imagination, such as the genie list. And then from there, once you find out what your heart is authentically attached to, you know, then do you have the courage to take immediate action? So every day for me, it's like, how big can I think and how fast can I act? Because everything on my list. Right, came to fruition, right. So if all these things happen based on, you know, a thought and an action, you know, then now I understand the way things work, right. And and this like this little miracle is not something that is like unique or only available to me. It's something that's available to everyone if we right have the courage to you know dig deep inside and say what do I really want, and then also the courage to take action and let the universe conspire in our favor. So that's where mindset became such a huge, huge part of this. Um, and then I married a nutritionist. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so all of these things, Jeff, all these things, um, like when you give a golf lesson, um, you know, your, your clients become your friends, you know, in an hour's time, you don't just talk about ball flight, you talk about a lot of stuff. And, um, and all the things that were inspiring to me not only hitting golf balls, but things that have happened in mindset, the things that I was doing over at Athletes Performance, now Exos, the things that I was learning um, through my wife, Kate, um, they all became part of who I was and they became part of the message that I was sharing with my students. Um, and then a few years ago, uh, the same guy, Chris Doris, who's our mindset um, partner, he just asked me the question, how do I most profoundly want to spend the rest of my life? I never asked myself that question before. Um, and back then, I was just operating as Jeff Ritter Golf. And that, that's the, in case you didn't know, that's what golf instructors do. They say, okay, I'm going to create a business. What's my name? And then add golf at the end. Yep. <laughs> that's how you do it. Same with business, pretty much. It's not a bad formula, right? But I started thinking about where I wanted, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do, and, and what would be exciting you know, to me. And I started looking at all these things that were part of my life and all these influences in my life. And I said, maybe I could create a company that challenged me every day to be the best version of who I could possibly be. Um, and that's where Make the Turn came from. And I said to myself, if I did that um, with passion and enthusiasm and, and a certain level of authenticity, then, then maybe other people would be interested in, in that stuff as well. You know? And then we could kind of go on this journey, journey together. You know? So the reveal possibility thing, it wasn't a tagline I just pulled out of the clouds. It was really based on personal, personal experience. Oh, you know, I, I was almost about ready to have back surgery because I hurt my back pretty bad in high school, and I and I suffered with debilitating back pain for years. And I would you know go see one doctor after another, and I would take a week or two off the lesson tee, and I just wouldn't play golf. Um, and then when I met my wife Kate, um, we went on an anti-inflammatory diet, and my my back pain went away entirely, and I haven't had back pain for ten years. You know, so that was like when you talked about giving them what they need. You know, like the thing that I didn't need, I didn't need a lifestyle change, right? I needed to like not have back pain anymore. Mm -hmm. And then, and then once I had that moment where I'm like, wait a minute, I was about to like go under the knife, right? And now I just change what I ate and. Then all of a sudden, like, oh, you know what? I'm not snoring as much, and I'm sleeping better, and I have more energy. So, a lot of the stuff that she does, it's all about, you know, a, a transitionary program, versus saying, hey, you know what? You're on this, you're on this program, and and your whole life has changed in a second. No, it's it's 
little upgrades that you start to notice very quickly that make you want to um, spend more time with it. But that's how it all that's how it all came together. And it's probably been about four years now. And every day I get up and I try and figure out how I can scratch a little bit more away at that that wall, that imaginary barrier. Um, and I think we're starting to to gain some interest and some some traction. And I appreciate you, you know, inviting me on to share more about you know who we are and what we do and, and why we do it do it here. Absolutely. There's there's so many things in your story and and in your mission that that I resonate with. Um, I mean, it's kind of funny. There's so many similarities between just mindset changes and even physical issues and things that you've had that I personally have experienced too. So it's kind of uh, kind of crazy in that respect. And we might have to bring you on another time just to talk more about the fitness stuff and, and Kate's stuff, the Lean 18 and, and everything um, because we're kind of running a little bit out of time. But sure. um, I, I, everybody that listens to the show knows that I'm kind of a professional, personal and professional development geek, you know. So when you mm-hmm. mentioned Tony Robbins and things like that, what are – what are a couple of your favorite authors in in those world in that world, and what's maybe a book that you're reading now or have read recently, and maybe a book that you would definitely recommend that people should go read in that respect? Yeah, I mean, all the Tony Robbins stuff is is huge. Um, I, I like to follow. I follow Tim Ferriss. I follow Darren Hardy of Success Magazine. Um, uh, my wife is trying to get my nose into a book right now um, that she's reading called "You're a Badass." <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, but, but that, I think that the thing that people need to know is that um, I mean, if, if you're good at what you do, right, and you're passionate about what you do, um, and you have the opportunity to positively influence someone's life, right, then then you have. Um, the mechanism to create a, a, a happy and sustainable lifestyle, lifestyle um, running that kind of kind of business, and I, and I think that the thing that limits people um, are, are what they think is possible for them, um, and um, and also maybe just some of the basic you know business acumen associated with you know how do I take this thing that I'm that I'm good at and these experiences that I'm having with my clients and how do I how do I turn that in into something? And I think that sometimes people start to think that. Um, when they see people, you know, in social media and whatever that are are doing things that might be above and beyond what they're doing, that they feel like, you know, there's there's a reason for that that's unique or special to them. And really, the separation is is not that great. I mean, the separation is only, you know, in the mindset and the consistency uh, and the willing to continue being a student of how to, you know, create that leverage to get your message heard. Yeah, and, and I love I love the fact that you're. You know, obviously, you're a golf company wrapped around golf, but you're a lifestyle company, and you're bringing in so many different things that that aren't necessarily talked about in, you know, Golf Digest very often or the Golf Channel and things like that. Except for when you're on the golf <laughs> the Golf Channel and and in Golf Digest. But um, it's cool, and that's kind of what we try to do here is bringing some some experts like yourself that have just a bit of a different angle on, you know, not just how do you hit a ball better. But how do you enjoy the, the game more? How do you, you know, feel better on the first tee, that kind of stuff? And so I really applaud what you guys are doing. And, and like I said, I've just seen so much of your content lately that really has been inspiring people and a lot of people sharing it. And so first, just want to say congrats on that. And, and thanks for, for what you're doing, because you're inspiring us guys over here at 18 Strong as well. Uh, I have a couple quick wrap up questions for you that we'll, we'll yeah. finish off with before we go. Sure. All right. First and foremost. Caddyshack or Happy Gilmore? Come on, man. Caddyshack. All right. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Yeah. All right. If you could walk 18 holes with anyone in the world, past, present, or future, doesn't have to be a golfer or somebody in the world of golf, who would it be, why that person, and what course? Hmm. You know what? I... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go golf on this one, just because we've been we've been talking about it. So, so yesterday I was down at down at Pebble Beach, and I saw a quote from Jack Nicklaus, and it said, um, "If I had one round left to play, I would play it at Pebble Beach." And I just had this long conversation with someone about how Jack Nicklaus was my my hero growing up, you know. And I just think that, you know, he was part of that golden age of golden age of golf, you know, when when golf was a little bit different than it is now, and it's awesome now, and I think it always will be, but. Um, you know, I've never really spent time with him up close or whatnot, and I just think that because it's such a big part of who I am. And I remember watching the '86 Masters as a kid, and just you know, I've never 
never rooted for someone more in my life. And I, and I've just heard so many things over the years that, um, he is absolutely the person that you would hope they would be. You know, I think that just having the opportunity to have four hours sharing a, a little bit of history would be pretty cool. That's awesome. All right. What has you most excited about what's going on with make the turn and everything moving forward towards the end of 2016? Yeah. I mean, I think that I've been really lucky to, to be able to kind of put our platform in front of things like, um, media outlets like golf digest and golf channel. And, um, and we've, we've sort of, uh, opened up a, a new learning experience, um, from a corporate perspective, which is kind of cool. Um, you know, so I was in, in Cambodia doing a corporate experience with, uh, with Barclays a few months ago, we had a, a corporate leadership training program with Apple down at our place. Um, and just the response has been really great. And, and it's cool that, um, not everyone plays the game for the same reasons. You know, you know, we, we watch golf on TV and we engage in social media and it's all about, you know, you know, how am I going to compete? How am I going to win junior tournaments? How am I going to win college tournaments? But people connect for different reasons. And, and the cool thing is that because of what we do, because it takes all these lessons inherent within the game that include mindset and fitness and nutrition, that there's actually opportunities for companies to have a, uh, a legitimate corporate training in a golf-inspired environment that teaches them lessons in sustainability. So I think that we're on to something that people are enjoying, and I really want to try and do more of that. Uh, guest speaking has been something that I love love doing, and um, I like doing stuff that's kind of outside of golf on the fringe. I'm going to be traveling to Phoenix next month, uh, speaking with the Business Journal out there and their executive forum. I'm going to be also doing another talk for a, a national law firm called Snell and Wilmer. They have got a, an emerging entrepreneurs seminar, and I'm going to come in and sort of tell tell my story from an entrepreneurial perspective on how you know, an idea gains motion and turns into something. Um, uh, I love I love the folks at Golf Channel. After after this podcast, I'm actually filming an episode of Champions Tour Learning Center with uh, with Jeff Sluman down at Pebble Beach. I just I just love the media stuff. Um, not so much you know for for being on camera or anything like that. I just like the opportunity to to share the stuff that we love with as, as big of an audience as possible. Um, I think there's an opportunity to help to help a lot of people and, and inspire people and get them excited about all these different areas. So as, as much as I can do that and, and be a good ambassador for, for what we're trying to do, then, then those are the things that get me excited. And you know, just like you, we're always trying, trying to grow. So we're looking for different partners that see value in sharing the message. And, you know, hopefully we can keep on growing and, and turn this thing into something that can help, help as many people as we, we possibly can. Absolutely. Well, I love what you're doing so far and I'm, I'm excited to see where make the turn continues to go. Any last piece of advice for the 18-strong audience here? I mean, what I would like everyone um, that's listening to do is to, is to try and go through the, their own personal genie list. You know, it's an exercise that you can do on, on your own. So, again, one more time, you know, grab a big sheet of paper, put yourself in a quiet place, create some categories, personal, professional, family, or other, and, uh, and just spend you know, a good hour saying, if I could have beer, do whatever I wanted without any restrictions, like if I had that own personal genie, uh, in infinite levels of possibility and unlimited number of wishes, what would those things be? Go for it, have fun with it, and then when you get done, right, create a, a ranking of some things that would be really exciting for you and then try and demonstrate the courage to make a call. Make a call, send an email, set it in motion, and, and if just one person um, six months from now can, can call back to the show and say, hey, I did something that I always wished that I could do, and it happened. You know, go from wishing to doing. That's a big thing that we talk about. Um, then I think that we've uh, done some good service here with this program. I love that. I love that. I'm going to put that in the show notes. I might even create a document, you know, with some instructions, exactly what they can do. They can print it out, and uh, we'll throw the uh, Make the Turn logo on there as well as the 18 Strong logo. And I highly suggest everyone in the audience – Give this a shot. Write down if you if you want to share it with us via social media or whatever. Um, by all means, share it and throw the hashtag "Make the Turn" in there, and, and we can you know respond back and see what uh, what people are creating with the uh, the genie list. I think that'd be awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, and you know our website is mttperformance.com. Um, depending on when the show runs, we we have a Pebble Beach vacation that we're giving away, so people can can sign up for that through our, our website. And, and when they sign up, not only do they have the opportunity to win a trip out here to stay at the lodge and to play Pebble with me, um, but they also get um, uh, an email um, uh, autoresponder program. It's a 50 weeks of, uh, 
of free content, mindset, fitness, nutrition. It's the whole the whole program. You know, we're not trying to sell you anything. It's just trying to give you some great information from the team. So if people like receiving that um, that weekly boost or or a bit of content that's going to give them something excited to uh, uh, exciting to work work towards, then um, then they can do that as well. Awesome. I'll definitely link that up as well, so you guys can go and get your your email list and get all the goodies from Make the Turn, Jeff can't thank you enough for coming on the show man it's been great spending time with you um like i said i would love to bring you on in the future sometime and talk yeah, about some of the other entities and kind of see we can check in with some people see what they've done with their genie list i'm, I'm personally going to do this exercise tonight i've done it in the past i'm going to redo it tonight and uh see where we go so thanks man i really appreciate awesome. it thank you so much all right guys i hope you got as much out of that interview with jeff as i did as I mentioned, he and I have so many common interests and just philosophies on you know living life and living an inspired and purposeful life, as well as tying this stuff into your golf game, having fun with it, and really creating not just the golf game that you want, but you know the, the daily activity, healthy lifestyle, whatever it is that you want to create, you can create it, no matter what your job is, no, no matter what your situation is. If you want it bad enough, you can go out and you can create it. And Jeff is living proof of that, just the way that he is inspiring so many people across the world in the world of golf, but also with just his his speaking and his coaching and books and everything that he's doing and has done and is going to be doing in the future. I really, really look forward to seeing where Make the Turn goes uh, in the next couple of months, years, and far down the line. Don't forget to go to mttperformance.com slash contest to see if you can get a chance at heading out to Pebble Beach to go hang out with Jeff. And of course, we'll have that linked up if you want any more information on this episode specifically. It's number 108, or just search for Jeff Ritter over at 18strong.com. Always appreciate any reviews in iTunes, of course. That's the greatest way to get the, the word of the show out to the masses and into the golf community. I appreciate you being here. I look forward to seeing you next week. Train hard, practice smart, and play better golf. Thanks for listening to the 18 Strong Podcast at www.18strong.com. And remember, train hard, practice smart, and play better golf.